الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم إحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فعن بهريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله تعالى قال من عاد لي وليا فقد آذنته بالحرب وما تقرب إلي عبدي بشيء أحب إلي مما افترضت عليه وما يزال عبدي يتقرب إلي بالنوافل حتى أحبه فإذا أحببته كنت سمعه الذي يسمع به وبصره الذي يبصر به ويده التي يبطش بها ورجله التي يمشي بها وإن سألني أعطيته وإن استعاذني لأعيذنه رواه البخاري Alhamdulillah, respected brothers and sisters and honorable listeners, uh, we're continuing with this compilation of hadith, the Arba'een of Imam al-Nawawi. And the Arba'een is 40 hadith that Imam Nawawi compiled regarding the fundamental aspects of the religion. And as we mentioned previously, every hadith that is mentioned in this compilation it indicates to a very important and fundamental principle in our deen. Something that is, that if you look at it, it is, it occupies a concept or it occupies a very important principle of the religion. In other words, we can say that every hadith that's mentioned here, you can say that this has a very important role and it is pivotal in the understanding of Islam. And as I mentioned previously, a lot of people, they look at the religion, narrow on one aspect of it, and they say, this is the religion. And I, you know, I mentioned this story before, I want to mention it again. A lot of the way that people conceptualize Islam is like, you know, when they brought the elephant to a place where they never seen an elephant before. So they put this elephant inside a dark room and they said, you know, this elephant is here. So the people went one by one, they're going inside the dark room and one person, you know, he grabbed the leg of the elephant. He's feeling it and he goes out and says, oh, what's the elephant? He said, oh, you know, the elephant is a pillar. The next person goes inside, you know, he grabs the ear and it's a dark room. He comes out, they said, what is the elephant? He said, the elephant is a big fan. Next person goes, you know, he grabs the tail and he says, what's this? So he says, fly swatter. Everybody is saying the elephant, one is saying the elephant is a pillar, another is saying elephant is a fly swatter, another is saying the elephant is a fan. And a young little boy, he goes in with the lantern and he looks and he says, oh, it's not a fly swatter, it's not a, you know, fan, it's not a pillar, it's not a stage. This is a huge, beautiful, amazing animal. So my dear brothers and sisters, when we talk about Islam, somebody will hold on to one thing of Islam and say, Islam is this. Another person will hold on to another aspect and say, Islam is this. Islam is tabligh. Islam is spirituality. Islam is politics. Islam is jihad. Islam is peace. Islam is this. Islam is being a good person. Islam is a universal, amazing way of life. It's not just one politics 
or being a good person, or being a good father, or being a good mother, or being a good citizen, or being good to your you know, spouse. It's, it's everything. It's so many things. Not just one thing. It's an amazing way of life that Allah Azza wa Jal has brought in it every single matter that exists in this world as Allah Azza wa Jal Himself said in the Quran, مَا فَرَّتْنَا فِي الْكِتَابِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ مَا فَرَّتْنَا فِي الْكِتَابِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ We did not leave out from this book anything. And the manifestation of that book, the embodiment of that book was Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. That was the manifestation. So when Allah Ta'ala says, مَا فَرَّتْنَا فِي الْكِتَابِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ We did not leave anything out from this book. Well, there's a lot of things he didn't mention. But in the life of Sayyidina Muhammad, many of those things were manifest. As when Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha was asked that tell us about the character of the Prophet to which he said, كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ That the character of the Prophet was the Qur'an. So if anybody wants to see the Qur'an being embodied in action, being embodied physical, being embodied in the real world, that was the function of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's why hadith is important. And that's why the sunnah is important. The hadith is important and sunnah is important because we see the embodiment of the Qur'an. A lot of Muslims unfortunately make this mistake. They said we don't need hadith. We don't need sunnah. We don't need hadith. And this is a very, very big mistake because the objective of the hadith and the objective of the sunnah was so that the Qur'an has a physical embodiment. So that the Qur'an has a practical application. Like if a person, he says, I don't need, a, I don't need somebody to teach me how to drive. I'll just read the, the manual, the car manual. I'll just get the car manual and I'll read the car manual and then I'll learn how to drive. We know how foolish this is. You cannot get a license until you sit with the driving instructor who shows you practically how to do the driving. You can't pick up the manual and you read the manual and say, now I know how to drive. You can't read the DMV book. And you read the DMV book and say, oh now I'm a driver, give me my license. They will not give you a license. You have to do driving training with a, with a driving instructor sitting next to you. Similarly, brothers and sisters, a person, he cannot be a complete Muslim. He cannot be a perfected Muslim. He says, I'm only going to follow the Quran. I don't need Sayyidina Muhammad. I don't need Sunnah. I don't need Hadith. You don't need Hadith. SubhanAllah, how do you pray? How do you pray Salah? How do you give Zakah? How do you do Hajj? How do you do Psalm? How do we do anything? How do we know anything? Right? Allah Azza wa said in the Quran, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ And we revealed to you the Quran, O Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi so that you can explain to the people so that you can show the people what has been revealed to you through your actions, through your beautiful example. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا In the Prophet ﷺ, we have the most beautiful example. With that being said, as I said, these ahadith, each one of them, it indicates to a very important, like, you know, you have that elephant, you know. So each hadith is a, is a, is a snippet. And each of these hadith, you put them like a puzzle. 
together and it makes a huge picture. So if you weren't here for the previous, right, 37 hadiths, you can listen to the recordings on Nur Institute, nurinstitute.com. You can listen to it online. So this is just another picture. So if this picture, you see it, again, this is not just, this is just one of the many. And this is just an attempt by Imam al nawawi to bring all the universals, all the usuls, all the principles, right? His objective wasn't to bring the entire deen, but the most important aspects that will inshallah benefit us. So let's read the hadith. What is this hadith number 38? Inshallah, we have two more hadith and we're going to be completing this book, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi said that Allah azza wa jal says. So this is a hadith qudsi Hadith qudsi is a statement of Allah azza wa jal. It is an inspiration that came into the heart of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which he is explaining to us. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired this to my heart. But the difference between this and anything else that Allah Azzawajal said is that some of the things that Allah Azzawajal said is Qur'an. That is maktubun fil masahif, maqru'un fil salawat. It is written in the Qur'an and it is recited in our prayers. The Hadith Qudsi is not that. The Hadith Qudsi is an inspiration which the Prophet Sallallahu is explaining in his own words. So he says, Allah Azzawajal said, مَنْ عَادَ لِي وَلِيًّا فَقَدْ آذَنْتُهُ بِالْحَرْبِ Anybody who has enmity for a friend of mine, then I have announced war against him. Subhanallah. Very intense how this hadith begins. Anyone who has enmity, yani he, has a, he makes enemy, the one who is my friend, wali, my, somebody is, who has taken me as their guardian, somebody who has taken me as their friend, somebody, yani, umurahu. then I have announced war against him. So let's, let's just start here. What does this tell us? The first thing that this tells us that there is something called wilaya. There are awliya. And the awliya of Allah Azza wa Jal are those who is al-mu'min al-muttaqi. A believer who is obedient to Allah Azza wa Jal. And as it says in the Quran, Surah Al-Anfal, ayat number 34, in awliya'uhu illa al-muttaqoon, that the friends of Allah Azza wa Jal, that the special ones, the close ones to Allah are those who have taqwa. Those who have God consciousness. In another verse in Surah Yunus, ayat number 62 and 63, Allah Ta'ala says, Verily, the friends of Allah, they have no fear, neither shall they grieve. They are those who believe and they are those who have the consciousness of Allah Azza wa Jal. So those who are in a state of iman and those who are in a constant state of taqwa in everything that they do they are in a state of consciousness of Allah Azza wa Jal whether they are at home whether they are at the masjid whether they are at work whether they are with the customer whether they are with their spouse whether they are with their kids whether they are private or whether they are public they are constantly in a state that Allah Azza wa Jal is watching me 
and everything that they do. They are aware of their actions. They know that Allah will hold them accountable for their actions. And in a constant state of God consciousness. If a person reaches such a state, may Allah Azza give that to all of us, then this person becomes very beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we learn here that there is such a thing that there's, there's the, the thing of Allah's people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's friends, Allah Azza wa people, Ahlullah, there is such a thing. Who are they? They are the people who are the muttaqun. They are the people who are the pious ones. They are the people who are the righteous ones. And then, what comes after that, مَنْ عَادَ لِي وَلِيًّا فَقَدْ آذَنْتُ بِالْحَرْبِ So the, the, whole, the whole discussion begins with this. Yani be, be, beware that these people are very, very special to me. Beware that you should never ever hurt one of them. Beware that you should never ever, like you know when somebody wants to tell you about somebody, so he said, this person, he's very special to me. If you hurt him, then you're going to be in trouble. Like literally the conversation begins with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that these people, they are very special to me. If you, have, if you harbor enmity for one of them, then it's not I'm going to be mad at you. I wage war against you. I wage war against you. So it's a very, very serious matter. Subhanallah. Now the question arises after that, who are these people? How do you become one of these people? How does a person end up to be one of them? He says, وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ مَفْتَرَضْتُ عَلَيْهِ That my slave did not come near me, it did not draw close to me. And when we're talking about drawing close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're not talking about physical. You don't come close to Allah physically. Allah Ta'ala is beyond location, He is beyond time and space. But coming close to Allah means coming close to good deeds that we do. Coming close to righteous actions that we do. This is the meaning of At-Taqarrub ilallah. Right? Taqarrub laysa bil masafa. Wat-Taqarrub yani to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure. At-Taqarrub ila mardatihi wa mahabbihi. Right? Getting close to Allah Ta'ala to those things which please Him, to those things that are beloved to Him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ مَفْتَرَضْتُ عَلَيْهِ My slave did not draw close to me by anything which is more beloved to me than that which I have made obligatory. Meaning, if a person wants to get close to Allah, what's the way to do it? Do what Allah has obligated you. In your salawat, in your fara'id, in the things that Allah has obligated upon you, in the thing that Allah has... If Allah Ta'ala said to pray, then to pray. If Allah said to fast, then fast. If Allah Ta'ala said give zakah, zakah. All of those things that are fard, fulfill that. And if a person fulfills that, then a person gains the love of Allah Azza wa Jal. He gains the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَمَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلَيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلِ حَتَّى أُحِبَّهُ And Allah Azza wa Jal then continues, and a person, he continues to draw near to me, through extra worship, through extra nawafil. For example, a person he praises five times a day, but along with five times a day, he does qiyamul layl, he does tahajjud as well. A person fasts the month of Ramadan, but on top of Ramadan, he does the tenth of Muharram also. He does the ninth and the tenth of Muharram. He fasts Mondays and Thursdays. He fasts in Sha'ban as well, or he fasts three days every month, right? He does extra. You know, a person. He listens to Quran in the month of Ramadan, but he also reads the Quran every day, other than what is did. Yani he does more than what is expected of him. Then when he does that, 
And then what happens? Allah Azza wa Jalla makes him beloved. That person now becomes extra beloved. Now understand this. Understand this like a, a person who like he works at a factory. Somebody, he, he has a job, he works at a factory. So you have the normal workers, they clock in, 8 in the morning, and they clock out. Right? They do like 9 to 5. They clock in at 9, they clock out at 5. This person is a good customer. The boss likes this person. He comes in on time, he leaves on time, and he gets his salary, and the employer likes this person. He's going to keep his job. He's going to get his pay. He's going to get his salary. Right? This is the 9 to 5. He's a good employee. And then you have another person. He's not 9 to 5. He comes in at 6 in the morning. And he cleans everything up. And he opens up shop. And then he leaves. Right? He comes in 6 and he leaves at 6. He does overtime. Now this person, he's not equal to the first employee who clocks in and clocks out. This person now has a concern. This person now, when the boss and the manager, you know, the boss sees this guy, is that wow, you know, this guy really cares. He's going to get a promotion. And after he gets a promotion, then, you know, he's made, he's brought up and now he's overlooking all. He's, he's not like every other employee. Now he, he's got managerial position. Now he's above everybody. Now he's the boss. Now everybody got to listen to him. And after that, what happens? The boss says, you know what? I want to give you, you know, I want to make you a shareholder in this company. Do you see what I'm saying? So that person who puts in extra and that person who puts in more time, he's going to get promoted. So those people who do more than their fara'id, those people who do more than what they are expected from Allah Azza wa Jal, you don't have to. But if you do, you get a promotion. What is that promotion? This is the special love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala gives some of these, his people, some of his elite, he gives them karamat. Their du'as get accepted. And that is why then in the next, what happens? فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُهُ كُنْتُ سَمْعَهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ وَبَصَرَهُ الَّذِي يُبْصِرُ بِهِ وَيَدَهُ الَّتِي يَبْطِشُ بِهَا وَرِجْلَهُ الَّتِي يَمْشِي بِهَا وَإِنْ سَأَلَنِي أَعْطَيْتُهُ وَلَإِنْ إِسْتَعَاذَنِي لَأُعِذَنَّهُ Subhanallah. What does it say here? فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُهُ كُنْتُ سَمْعَهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ When I love him, then I become the ear which, which he hears with. I become the eye with which he sees with. I become the hand which he grasps with. I become the feet which he walks with. What does this mean? And we know that this is not a physical meaning. There is no hulul and ittihad is kufr. To say that Allah, come, Allah becomes his hand, Allah becomes his eye, Allah becomes his ear. This is, this is not permissible to believe that. Some people have taken these meanings. It's called pantheism. This is like Hindu beliefs that God comes inside of somebody. Right? He becomes his hand, he becomes his eye, he becomes his ear. This is kufr. We don't, this is not what the meaning of this is. But you know, very similar to when I say about somebody or somebody says, this is my eyes and ears, this guy right here. This person, he's my eyes and ears. Or I say, this person, he's my right hand man. What does that mean? I need this person is very close to me. This person, he fulfills a function for me. And you know, somebody who's at the work, somebody who's your special employee said, this guy's my eyes and ears right here. This guy's my right-hand man. Doesn't mean he's your right hand. It doesn't mean he's actually your eyes and ears. But it means this person has a very, very special close attachment to you. That he f does the function of what you do. What you do, this person does. 
In other words, it's as if you are there. When he said, this man is my eyes and ears, what does it mean, this man is my eyes and ears? Meaning, he fulfills the function of the boss. Now, the awliya, where Allah Ta'ala says, I become his eye to which he sees with, his ear to which he hears with. Yani, he only sees what Allah wants him to see. And he only hears what Allah wants him to hear. And he only grasps what Allah wants him. And in other words, he is fulfilling the commandments of Allah on earth. Whatever he does, he is the walking embodiment of the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal. Like the Prophet Alayhi Salatu Wasalam. The Prophet was a beautiful example of this. He did everything according to the pleasure of Allah so that he became a role model. That if you wanted to know what, how does Allah want us to be a spouse? How does Allah want us to be a father? How does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want it? He was the embodiment of that. In other words, everything he did, what he saw, what he heard, what he spoke, what he grasped was in accordance with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing that a person who gets to, reaches this maqam Nothing that he does is outside of the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We all human beings, we make mistakes. This is talking about yani, beyond that human deficiency that we have. We all have the human weakness. This is not taught. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted us to be angels, then he would have created us as angels. But Allah created us human beings and human beings make mistakes and that's what tawbah and istighfar is for. But to the, to the extent that it is possible, the person who he continues to fulfill the commandments of Allah Ta'ala. He continues to please Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. He continues to live according to the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jalla. Then he becomes like the embodiment. Now he becomes like a role model. And that is why even though Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passed away, those people who came after him, they fulfilled the function of role models. That is why the Prophet said that Al-Ulama Warathatul Anbiya Al-Ulama وَرَثَتُ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ وَإِنَّ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ لَمْ يُوَرِّثُوا دِينَارًا وَلَا دِرْهَمًا وَلَكِنْ وَرَّثُوا الْعِلْمِ فَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ أَخَذَ بِحَظٍ وَافِرٍ He says, the prophets, the, 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 the ulama, the scholars of Islam, the righteous scholars of Islam, right? as we have the, the Salaf al-Saliheen, Imam Abu Hanifa, and Imam al-Shafi, and Malik, and Ahmad ibn Hanbal, and Hassan al-Basri, and all the mashayikh, and the akabir, and great, great awliya, Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, and all the other mashayikh that came, the other great scholars that came, their lives and their words, they were in an embodiment. They lived, they lived Islam. They didn't just speak Islam. Now what do people say? If you want to learn about Islam, read a book, right? And if you want to see a good Muslim, then visit a grave. If you want to learn about Islam, read a book. And if you want to see a really, really pious Muslim, then you can visit the grave and people visit graves now. That's why people visit graves a lot. It's because, no, inshallah, they're still. They will always be. Our mashayikh mentioned, there will always be these pious people till the end of times. They will be a living embodiment of Islam. They will be a li living embodiment of Iman. So this, this meaning, فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُهُ when I love him, كُنْتُ سَمْعَهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ I become his ear to which he hears with me. In other words, he will only hear that which is the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal. He will not listen to that which is somebody is talking and backbiting, saying bad about people. He says, I don't want to hear. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Isn't that? He says, I don't want to hear the evil. I don't want to hear that which will disobey, that is disobedience to Allah. وَكُنْتُ 
He sees something which is inappropriate. I don't want to see something that would displease my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I become his eyes. He will not see, he will not look at that which is impermissible for me. In other words, if you want to take somebody as a role model, who would you going to take? Somebody who sees no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. We all make mistakes. We all have deficiencies. We all have shortcomings. But the awliya are the ones who work upon themselves to perfect this. To perfect this. Subhanallah, some of the pious people, they have worked upon themselves so much that they said that we looked at the uyub and nafs. This is mentioned in Imam al-Nawabi mentions this in Kitab al-Athkar, that we looked at the uyub and nafs and we found them to be 1,000 so-and-so uyub, diseases of the heart. We found them to be this many thousand diseases of the heart. And he says, you will be able to conquer almost all of them if you just guard your tongue. You will be able to conquer most of them if you are just able to control your tongue. So I was thinking about this. I said, Allahu Akbar. قَدْ يعني هُمْ كَانُوا قَدْ أَتْقَنُوا النَّفْسِ أَتْقَنُوا النَّفْسِ كَمَا أَتْقَنَ الدُّنْيَا Like we perfected dunya. I mean, look, look, at the, look at the phones and these apps and these, it's amazing. Look at the computers and I mean, أَتْقَنُوا الدُّنْيَا فَهُمْ The people who lived, they أَتْقَنُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَتْقَنُوا أَخْلَاقَهُمْ وَأَتْقَنُوا مُعَامَلَتَهُمْ مَعَ اللَّهِ وَمَعَ خَلْقِ اللَّهِ they perfected their character. They perfected themselves until they had counted. They were counting actually the ayub. You know like doctors, they will tell you how many diseases there are. Okay, there's many diseases. He's a kidney specialist and he's a heart specialist. And these awliya, their whole focus was to perfect the heart, to perfect themselves. And they had actually counted this many thousand or sicknesses or deficiencies people have and a person will be able to dominate most of them or all of them if you just guard the tongue. Subhanallah. And when a person has perfected themselves to this extent that with their eye and with their ear and with their hand and with their feet they guard themselves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them something. This is their promotion. What's the promotion? وَإِن سَأَلَنِي أَعْطَيْتُهُ If he asks of me, I will give him, I will grant him. وَإِنْ إِسْتَعَاذَنِي لَأُعِذَنَّهُ If he seeks refuge in me, I will grant him refuge. So this is, this last point tells us that from the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is possible that Allah azza wa jal gives certain people from amongst his creation karamat. This is a reality. Having karamat is a reality. Karamatul awliya'i haq. Right? The good things that Allah Ta'ala blesses certain pious people. This is not, you know, a lot of people they have like, you know, shirk. Everything shirk, 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 shirk. Right? It's not shirk. This is a person who has promotion by Allah Azza wa Jal and he deserves it. A person works hard and a person is in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a person avoids all of those things which Allah has prohibited, why would Allah ta'ala not give him now? Give him something. What is it? That the acceptance of his du'as and the protection for himself and for who he asks protection from. This is a reality. So 
a couple of points that we understand about this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has certain awliya, has certain uh, people, right? Has certain special slaves of his, that they have this closeness to him, they are beloved to him, they are honorable to him, they are revered to him. So if they are revered to him, we should revere them as well. And my dear brothers and sisters, there is a, a, a culture of extremes in our religion. And I want to speak about this. There is a culture of extremes. One culture of extreme is that there are people who, they believe so much in this, in, in this reality, because this is, Imam al-Nawawi is as if he is saying that this has a place in Islam. Understand? Awliya, the elite, the pious, the righteous, the people of Allah, the, re the revered people of Allah, the special ones of Allah, that we should revere them, we should honor them. Allah has given them promotion. Allah has given them status. Allah has mentioned what is their sign. Who are they? They are people that fulfill their fara'it. They are people that do extra nawafil. They are people that fulfill the irada of Allah in their eyes, in their ears, in their tongue, in, every, in, every, in their entire entity. They are an embodiment of Allah's pleasure. This is a reality. This is in a concept we have to believe. And just as Allah Ta'ala has revered them, and He has honored them, and given them karama, we have to honor them. But now there's two extremes in Islam about this concept. Go in the Muslim world. You will see that some of the graves of these pious people are places where people make tawaf, like they make tawaf of the Kaaba. They're places where people make sujood, just like people make sujood upon the, the earth, right? They make sujood, to them, as you make sujood, for example, to a, uh, uh, you know, uh, that we, when we pray for salah, they actually pray salah towards them. And this is ghulu. Right? This is a, you know, extremism. This is not permissible in Islam. And this is not what this hadith means. When in, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, one day, they came and they fell in front of the Prophet alayhi salatu in sujood. They said, stand up. Allah has prohibited sajda to any human being. Allah has prohibited sajda to human being. He said, Ya Rasulullah, we do this, that uh, Kisra and, 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 and uh, you know, the, the Caesar and the emperors of Rome, they prostrate before him. You are Nabi Allah, you are more worthy that people should prostrate. He said, no, Allah has prohibited that any human being should make sajda to another human being. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have permitted a human being to make sajda to another human being, Allah would have commanded the wife to make sajda to the husband. This is a whole different uh, topic altogether. But it is talking about a matter of reverence, that this reverence should be there. So imagine that people are making prostrations to the person inside the grave, whereas the greatest human being, that if there was a human being who was worthy to be prostrated, it would have been Sayyidina Muhammad but he prohibited that. This is something that is completely impermissible. And then you have another group of people. They go to the graves of these people, they dig out their bodies and they throw them and they put them somewhere else. This happened to the grave of Subhanallah Sidi Ahmad Zarruq in North Africa. Some of these Wahhabis or whatever the hell these people are, they came literally, they dug up the grave of Sheikh Sidi Ahmed Zarruq. From the grave, they said, this shirk and bid'ah happening. 
So with shirk and bid'ah is happening, you're doing another shirk and bid'ah, Allah. Where they go dig up the bodies and, and, and literally desecrate the bodies of the Ahlullah and the Awliya. And what are they doing? They go and then they throw this body in an unknown place. Some of these extremists, these humr, these humaqa, what have they said? They have even made that claim that we want to do that for the Prophet. So that the people do not go to the grave of the Prophet and send salam. Ya Allah, ma al ghulu. What is this, this extremism? You have this on one side, people are prostrating, and then you have another side, the people are literally desecrating. Desecrating. My dear brothers and sisters, Islam is deen al-wasat. Khayrul umuri awsatuha. The best of all matters is the middle path. Neither this, neither that. Some of our, uh, you know, mashayikh and our teachers, you know, they said that the, the reverence and the respect of these people, despite the fact that there is, you know, these tombs that are built, the fuqaha have mentioned that building these tombs or building these graves or making the graves, you know, um, immaculate and all of this, this is not permitted. But once that this has happened, then to respect the sahib al-qabr, now people are going and bulldozing, this is not respectful now. This is, a, this is desecrating in and of itself. This is a desecration. So once this is done, now we leave it. Don't do any acts of bid'ah. Don't do anything else on top of it. But the point is, is that now to keep that balance, neither a person should be. And this is what we learn from this is, you know, learn and go to those people that are who? They are the living awliya. And this is another important thing. This is also part of ghulu. That if the Prophet ﷺ is telling us that such people exist, that they are awliya, they are pious people that exist. So what do we do? A lot of people, they just go and they want to go and go to the grave and the person who has passed away. Despite the fact that that person who has passed away, he's waliya lillah, inshallah, he was a pious person and he lived. But we should benefit from the living awliya, the living people the living scholars, the living ulama, the living awliya, that we benefit from them while they're still alive. People now, what they do, they are trying to benefit from somebody when they have passed away. You're not going to be able to, generally, public cannot benefit from somebody who has now passed away. How are you going to benefit from somebody who has passed away? Yeah, it might give you some inspiration, though this person thinking about him, that he's so great. But... You know, our mashayikh and our teachers have told us, take benefit from those who are alive. And this is another hulu. This is another mistake. People, they have extreme love and reverence. So they will go and they will revere a grave. Whereas the reality of it is, why is the Prophet even telling us this? In every hadith, we should see and ask ourselves, why is the Prophet telling me this? I am asking you, all of you, why did the Prophet tell us about this? Right. Number one, so that we know what to work for, what we should wish to become. Don't we wish to become beloved to Allah? Do we not wish to become somebody who, he's saying, this is how you become beloved to me. Fulfill your fard, fulfill your faraid, your obligations. And on top of that, do more, and you get a promotion. Allah Ta'ala is telling us how we become beloved to Him. This means he's telling us so that we strive for that. Everybody wants, should want to be from the, wali, from the awliya. And this is another ghulu. 
the awliya are people that are like untouchable people that are you know living in the mountains or caves somewhere or they're not to be seen by no these are the people who they fulfill the commandments of Allah and they try their best to fulfill whatever Allah has asked of them and they strive with that for in their life and we should strive to become that this is not something that is like you know it's so far away they are untouchable and this is not for us this is not for normal people this is for everybody and these people exist and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them with the karama so there's many many things that come under this chapter which falls into extremism either you have ifrat or you have tafrit ifrat means you overdo things extremism and tafrit means you completely neglect it either there's neglect or over there's overdoing something over exaggerating something neglecting something or over exaggerating something and in the in the in the matter of the awliya there's so many over exaggerations and there's so many neglects and negligence as well right so the correct understanding of how we deal with this issue and how we understand this issue is that it should be you know it's a concept that it is a reality that there are awliya, there are ulama, and some people say, I don't believe in any of that. I don't believe in any of these things. I don't believe that you know, these people exist. Well, you're wrong, because this is the hadith that is proving it. And ayat of the Quran prove you. And the history of Islam proves it wrong. The ayat of the Quran prove you wrong. They exist. They are the friends of Allah. They are the elite of Allah. And they must exist till the, in every zamana till the end of time. They are the muttaqun. So, the person who says, I don't believe in it. You actually, you're not believing in a concept that is established in Islam. And another thing is, we need guides. This is another thing that this hadith is teaching us. We need guides. We need mentors. And now, in the, you know, Islam in America, quote-unquote American Islam, or, you know, Islam in the world for that sense, we lack mentors. Everybody just wants to follow. I know. Brother, don't tell me. I know. I know. I grew up in this. I was born in this. No, you don't know nothing. What do you know? Who did you learn from? Who's your teacher? Who's your guide? Who did you learn from? Who's your shaykh? They used to say, maybe 100, 200 years ago, Man laysa lahu shaykh fa shaykhuhu shaytan. Yes. al kalam haq. I will prove to you. Man laysa lahu shaykh fa shaykhuhu shaytan. The one who doesn't have a shaykh, the one who doesn't have a mentor, his mentor will be nafs and shaytan. You're just making up stuff as you go. Whatever you feel like doing, you do. Because you don't have a guide. And I'll give you proof. A person, he's a, I'll give you proof from, from the very simple. A person's a mechanic. You need to sit with a mechanic. Learn from a mechanic so you become a proper mechanic. Say, so, no, I don't need to learn from anybody. I'll learn mechanic on my own. A person wants to become a doctor. He says, no, 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 I don't need any internship. I don't need to go sit with other doctors. I'm going to figure out, I'm going to be a doctor on my own. I don't need any mentor. A person wants to be a writer. A person wants to be a carpenter. You have to do internship to be a carpenter. You need to sit with somebody. A person wants to be a businessman. You need to have somebody to tell you the way. You want to be an Uber driver. For God's sake, you need to have somebody to train you. In every work that you go, they have a training period. Is it or not? Is it true? They, they, don't, they don't allow you to work. You go and get a job at Home Depot. Man, you have a training period. They have, you, you, you shadow somebody. You need somebody to, to show you. Even Sayyidina Muhammad Jibreel came. <laughs> Jibreel came. 
نزل به الروح الامين but you don't need anybody the prophet jibril taught him but you don't need any teacher subhanallah هذا عجيب for the prophet allah sent jibril but for you you're above the prophet even for this is the meaning man laysa lahu shaykh fa shaykhuhu shaytan if the prophet jibril came to him and a person is working at home depot he has a trainer a person is going to uber they train him they sit with somebody where are you getting your deen from oh but i think and i think and i think and i think in my opinion and my opinion where did you get your opinion from do you have a phd in islam did you study in a madrasa did you go to where did you go i learned karate on my own watching karate kid yeah then you're going to get your punch face face punched in i'm just watching so many ufc fights subhanallah i know how to fight now i watch a lot of ufc fights Habib is my hero. Yeah, this is how people now are practicing the deen. Brother, we all need mentors. These are our living mentors. These are our living mashayikh. Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. Is anybody greater than Nabi Musa? Yawm Ashura. Yawm Ashura is the day of Nabi Musa alayhi salam. How Allah Azza wa Jal saved Musa alayhi salam and Bani Israel from the clutches of Fir'aun. How? How did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save Bani Israel? Do you, do, you, do you know when it's an interesting thing, my Shaykh, rahmatullah he said this. You know when the army of Musa was behind them? I didn't mention this in my Friday talk, but this coming to my mind now. So I told the whole story. You know when, فَأَسْرِ بِعِبَادِي لَيْلًا Take my slaves out save them, run away, and take them away from Fir'aun, and I will protect you. So, you know, Allah, Allah's Nabi, Musa Alayhi took all of, took all of Bani Israel until they got to the, the ocean or the, 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 the water. What did Bani Israel say? No trust in Musa. No Iman. No trust in Musa, nothing. No, they didn't even, they didn't even appreciate him. Inna lamudrakun. What did they say? Oh, that's it. We're caught up. We're sitting ducks. They're going to finish us now. Bichara, they don't even, they're not even giving Musa alayhi salam the, the, the benefit of the doubt. No, that's it. We're sitting ducks. What did they say? Uvina min qabli an ta'atina wa min ba'di ma ji'tana. Look at what they're saying to Sayyidina Musa. We were, we were being tortured before you and even after you. Now everything is the same. Musa, you didn't change anything. Musa, you didn't change anything. It's the same. We were tortured before and now you came. What's the difference? He's still torturing us. I mean, these people, subhanAllah. Bani Israel, they were characters. Right? They give a lot of, right? As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Musa. Don't be like the ones that disturbed and hurt Musa alayhi salam. But no, what did he say? When he came to the ocean and they said, Inna lamudrakun, qala kalla inna ma'iya rabbi sayahdini. He said, my Lord is with me. He will guide me because he knew his Lord is not with those people. They don't even have yaqeen. They don't even have belief. He said, my Lord is with me. Look at the word in Arabic. Inna ma'iya rabbi. He didn't say rabbuna. He didn't say ma'ana. And what did, what did the Prophet say to Sayyidina Abu Bakr? What did he say? Inna Allaha ma'ana. Inna Allaha la tahzan. Inna Allaha ma'ana. 
But Musa said to his people, Subhanallah. Look at the Iman of Abu Bakr Siddiq that the Prophet said to him, La Tahzan, Ma'ana. He is with us, O Abu Bakr, with me and you. But look at what Musa السلام, said to his people. Kalla, you are wrong. Allah has not abandoned us. Because when they said, Inna lamudrakun, Inna lamudrakun means we're caught, we're done, we're chopped up, we're sitting ducks. In brackets, they didn't say that, that literal, but the word, the word of Musa tells us what they meant. Kalla, never, never think that we are destroyed. In, but look at what he said. Inna ma'iya, Rabbi sayahdini. My Lord is with me and he will guide me. Forget you guys, man. You guys don't even trust me here. What's going on? But because you are with me, Allah will save you as well. Allah, subhanallah. Subhanallah. Being with the Ahlullah, being with the awliya, even though we might be worthless, even though we might be weak, even though we might give up, but because we are with the awliya, we are with the pious people. If Allah is with them, Allah will save us along with them. Allahu Akbar. Ajib. Be with them, even though you're not, even though you're not at their level. Because when you are with them, when the, when the rahmah of Allah came upon Musa, Allah Ta'ala saved Bani Israel as well. Whereas he didn't say, Allah is with us. Don't worry. He didn't say, don't worry to them. He said, you guys are, you guys are saying, you don't even have yaqeen. You don't even have trust. You don't even have tawakkul. You don't even believe in me. As you should. Inna lamudrakun. Oh Musa, we were being tortured before and now we're still being tortured. It's the same when you weren't here and it's the same when you're here. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. People who do not know the maqam of the anbiya and the awliya. But Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, la tahzan. Allahu Akbar. Look at the difference. This is all from the Quran. La tahzan, do not fear. Oh my friend, you are with me in this cave and you have trust in me and you have come to support me and your heart is with me. Inna allaha ma'ana. Inna allaha ma'ana. Our Allah is with us and he will preserve us. And how did Allah Ta'ala preserve his Nabi Muhammad Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Musa with a miracle and Allah saved Muhammad with a miracle. But whose miracle was actually greater? Right? For the ocean pardon, this is a pretty big, it's, it, it looks colossal, but this is more complicated that a spider should, should, should weave a web and the birds should lay eggs. In a, in, a, in a small span of time, this is even more immaculate and it's even more astounding and amazing and miraculous. For the water to part, it just takes a little bit of wind. Even when a helicopter goes near water, you can see the water just parting. It's not such an immaculate, complicated miracle. Do you get my point? It's just the water just moved to the sides. But if you look at the miracle of Sayyidina Muhammad right? Birds coming, laying eggs, and a spider coming and weaving a web out of nowhere. This is like so inaccurate. But khair. point being is, Sayyidina Musa السلام, how special he was to Allah This is the point that I was getting at. We need mentors. That Sayyidina Musa, said a mentor is so important that when Musa was asked, Oh Musa, who's the most knowledgeable of all? He said, of course, me. 
What do you, what do you think? Of course, it's the Prophet of Allah. He's the most knowledgeable. He said, no. Go to the, go to the joining of the two seas and you will find there a slave of mine. عَبْدًا مِنْ عِبَادِنَا عَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا عِلْمًا آتَيْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا رَحْمَةً وَعَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا عِلْمًا That you will find a slave of mine that I have blessed him with my mercy and I have given him a knowledge. When Sayyidina Musa heard that there is a person that he can learn from and Allah commanded him to go, what did he say? وَقَالَ مُوسَى لِفَتَاهُ لَا أَبْرَحُ حَتَّى أَبْلُغَ مَجْمَعَ الْبَحْرَيْنِ أَوْ أَمْضِيَ حُقُبًا He told Joshua, his young khadim, he says, لَا أَبْرَحُ I will continue to go حَتَّى أَبْلُغَ مَجْمَعَ الْبَحْرَيْنِ until I reach the joining of the two seas أَوْ أَمْضِيَ حُقُبًا or I will travel for ages, for eons, I will continue to go until I find this person who Allah commanded me to take him as a mentor, to take him, learn from him. Sayyidina Musa learned from someone. Sayyidina Musa traveled to someone. Sayyidina Muhammad took from Jibreel. Sayyidina Isa took from Yahya. We heard all of these different Anbiya The Sahaba, they took from the Prophet. And the Tabi'een, they took from the Sahaba. And the Tabi'ut Tabi'een took from them, and the Salaf Salihin took from them, and this unbroken chain reaches us, but we don't need any awliya. I know everything. See, look at this Facebook. Look. And then he says, see? And then he's showing me a Facebook post. See, this is it. MashaAllah. Shaykh Facebook. Rahmatullahi alayh. This is, this is now, our, this has become our mentors. Wala hawla wala illa billah. That's your mentor. So my dear brothers and sisters, and honorable listeners, the concept of this hadith, why this is important for us to know, is that there are such people that we should have them as mentors, that we should go and sit with them. This is that because Islam is a living tradition. This is passed down. This knowledge, this practice, right? These, this, this, uh, this way, this beautiful thing, right? This way of life, this has been passed down from heart to heart. With, the, with actual chain, the unbroken chain back to the Prophet And when you sit with those people who have that unbroken chain, who have that nisbah, you will, you will feel nur in your heart. You will feel guidance. You will feel elevated. You will feel illuminated. You will feel enlightened after sitting with them. And when you sit with those who are unbroken chains, you just become more confused. What is this guy saying? He's just telling stories. When you sit with the people who are illuminated, your heart will become illuminated. Right. Nobody reached Allah except through the company of somebody who reached Allah. So this is the concept in this hadith. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding.